T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Welcome back. This made news this week, uh, one of which is a Nike suing a rapper by the name of Little Nas X for his Satan shoes. And to join us to discuss is Dr. Bruce Hartman, a culture, religion, and political uh, politics commentator. Uh, Dr. Hartman, thank you for coming on to KMOX. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. What an interesting thing to release right before Easter. I probably could imagine it's not it's not unrelated. So I wanted to kind of get your impressions about these shoes. If people haven't seen it, uh, the rapper Little Nas X uh, promoted these. I think he put it into a limited run, 666 of them. And one of the selling points is that I think they injected human blood into it. And it, it kind of like corresponded with his satanic, uh, satanic uh, rituals and music video that came out. It was... Really, what a week for all of this. I wanted to get your impressions. Well, I think, it, like anything, this to me, this is a hustle. And a hustle in the sense that they're taking advantage of the week to make it more dramatic. Um, and to they're using the Nike swoosh to create even more news because they knew Nike would sue them for that. So it's all about creating... Uh, the, the, it's all about them creating an atmosphere of, of some type of rebel um, activity to show that this is really a great thing. And But the, the reality is it's just a hustle and mm-hmm. it's no more than a con game. Do you think it might be part of a bigger trend? Do you think there's more people in pop culture that are leaning towards these type of things? Yeah, I think one of the things that's ha- happened in our culture um, is that people are learning that any any attention they get is good, whether they act bad or they act good. But generally, people who have been acting badly have been getting attention. And it's not that dissimilar to what, what a three-year-old learns to do. If the only way they can get attention is by acting up, that's what they're going to do. In this case, it's more profitable to act up, get attention, and you make a lot of money. And that's why I'm calling this a, this a hustle. And I think as a society, we have to, to, to ignore this type of behavior because by giving it, you know, the fact that it sold out, I think uh, the 666 shoes, I think they sold out in a day. Yeah, it was, no, well, it was instantly. It was like within a minute. 
Wow. That's even so it's more of a so they're appealing to this kind of you know, getting attention. And I just think as a as a country, um we need to stop shining a light on these type of aberrant things. This is a this is a clearly a one off. Clearly if you talk to most Americans they would think say this is stupid. But there's enough people out there that would be attracted to something like this, they can make money out of it. And that's what they've done. Yeah, there's a lot of people that try to make money or become popular through exploitation. Very popular yes. now, sexual exploitation. They they use that as a way, and that's been a common trend for a while. But the thing that I worry about is it's become not only more common, but more acceptable. You see it so much in today's pop culture and the things that kids are consuming even, where if you were to rewind things back 20 or 30 years, you'd look at that and say, they wouldn't even allow that on television. (laughs) They wouldn't even allow that on the radio or whatever it is. In today's world, it's almost commonplace. And for some reason, parents don't have their guard up enough. And these things sneak in to the different households or to the things that kids are consuming. So I look at this and think, is this just where it's going? Are we going to find more and more people and uh, that are going to be more exploited in this sense where it's going to be anti-faith from here on out. Well, anti-faith has has been, I mean, pretty much since 1967, uh, there's been this type of erosion towards faith. Um, But the thing that, the thing that I see as a society is that we've, we've started giving our kids what they want, not what they need. And that, that leads to some of this. Second thing, um, statistically, if you take the cancer culture, you want to get rid of Mr. Potato Head, right? <laughs> yeah. But meanwhile, this this song can come out. Meanwhile, WAP, which um, I think was the number one streamed music video last year. Uh. All of this stuff can exist. This shows you uh, how distorted this group is. And 64% of Americans, they don't like it. They don't like the cancel culture. They don't want Mr. Potato Head to go away. And, but what I think we're doing, and it still gets back to, we're giving the wrong people attention. We've got to give it to the people that are heroes, people that are saving lives. People are out there all the time. That should be making the news. If we could get to that point, this stuff would go away. That's, that's interesting. You wrote a couple of different books. One, Spend a Year with Jesus, an inspirational journey of finding Jesus in faith, and the other one, Jesus and Company, uh, connecting the lessons of the gospel in today's business world. And what I look at, uh, by the way, Dr. Bruce Hartman joining us here on Overnight America, I look at sometimes entertainers that find faith later. And there was that one very mm-hmm. famous entertainer maybe two years ago, Kanye West, very popular, right. said that he found faith and he said, I'm no longer going to perform my back pat, uh, catalog. I, I don't want to be associated with that. He didn't want to make money off of it. He still, I think, was the highest paid entertainer last year anyway. But I'm assuming right. he's still doing that. But sometimes you find people that come out and say they're against this. However, they still profit from it. So the things that they put out there, maybe they're a movie star and you look at it and all of these different messages in the movies they're in, contradictory to their faith. So this seems pretty blatant what little Nas X is doing, but I think there's also this this uh, subtext that goes on with a lot of other entertainers where some of them may look at this and say, oh no, this is bad, but ultimately in the background they may be doing something similar that isn't as blatant. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the, uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I ah. think we, we all know, right? And that's, so I, I think that Kanye's spirit was sincere, but, you know, when you can get four or $500 million thrown at you, you know, it's a, it's a tough decision. So I, I, I think you know, for most people, when, if they do go through one of these remarkable conversion processes, it's usually not instantaneous. It's usually like what happened to uh, Bob Dylan. Usually hmm. takes a period of eight to ten years um, to to understand it, and not understand it, but to get used to what it means to be a, a fully practicing Christian. Is Bob Dylan a Christian? I always wondered that because I think he doesn't really talk about his faith. <laughs> no, he doesn't, but he, he is. It's but actually it's interesting. It's an interesting story to read. It started in the late seventies. And some of his uh, later albums have a very strong Christian reference to them. And, but it happened to him in a in a hotel room where he made this decision. And I think oh, wow. it was 79. Yeah. yeah, I know he went through a period where his albums, they he doesn't call it that himself, but his fans look at him as like the Christian era. And I thought right. that era was only a certain point. I didn't know that he was still today considered a Christian. I didn't know that. Yes, yes. Wow. Still is. Isn't that something, you, when you go back and uh, look at these sort of things, sometimes you find what is really pushed in pop culture, like the Little Nas X, is going to get a lot of uh, publicity off of this and is really thriving and is loving the attention. You know, they release a music video at the same time with all of these different messages. And we're even talking about it right now. And I, we're, we're a talk show, and I would, you know, I would never go out here and endorse any of this stuff, but here we are talking about it and this is kind of what they wanted. So how do you get around it? How do you get around not glorifying it in a way where you're promoting it inadvertently? Well, yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's really the challenge. When my kids were little, my wife had this wonderful technique. We had four daughters. So it wasn't every day. wasn't peaceful. Um, and I'm sure you can imagine uh, with four kids, very close in age, there was always some skeletons. What my wife would not do is she would not be, she would not approach the offender first. She would approach the offended. So if one of the children got hit with a rock, it was the person got hit with a rock that she paid attention to. Mm -hmm. And so when you give children attention, even if it's negative attention, it's what they want. It's how they gain their parents' um, time and space. So I think that as a society, we got to be better at when we find a nurse that saves somebody's life, that should be, that should be in the news. It shouldn't be something like this. And I think as a, as a, as a nation, we should start tuning this out. And I don't think we're doing that. And I think we, we have to have a narrative where heroes, everyday heroes are celebrated, not knuckleheads that copy Nike and then squirt blood in a sneaker. Yeah. You're right about that. In fact, I was doing something, and I can't remember what the story was, but essentially it was talking about how much time has passed. And if you were to go back 20 years and look at what was popular 20 years ago and then use that as your starting point and then go back another 20 years to see that at that point you're that removed from on either side. It's 20 years on either side. So you can go back 40 years and look at what was popular. You can go back 20 years and look what's popular. And then you can look at what's today. 
And I use that to look at some music like, okay, here's we're 20 years removed from this song. Can you believe it? It seems like it just came out yesterday. And then this is what it felt like for them to look at it or whatever. But when I started looking at the music today, because I wanted to play some examples on the air, I noticed when going down the billboard top, whatever, of what the most popular songs were last year after like uh, maybe five or six, I couldn't even play any of those songs. They were all so so disgusting and i thought this is what's the popular today it's so different even 20 years ago and it's so hard to look at all these things and i see the headlines that say there's less people going to church now than ever and people are just losing this and it feels like a losing battle anymore where um I, i just don't know how to turn people's hearts around anymore yeah no it's uh it's definitely the 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 church thing is the average church has lost 3% of their attendance uh, since 1967. And the the reason for it is, is the mainline denominations have not really adjusted to modern society. They've become more and more irrelevant. And one of the things that they stopped doing, they stopped preaching the gospel. They got into politics, they got into social justice, and they forgot about Jesus. So the churches that are doing well, by the way, and there's a large number of them, are the ones that speak directly to the gospel. So that's, that, to me, is the first mistake, is that uh, churches have to stop taking popular positions and, st- and start taking the position of the gospel. Um, and you think about the, a song like I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. I mean, that was outrageous <laughs> back in the 60s. And now you've got WAP, right? And we're spending our time trying to figure out why Mr. Potato Head is uh, is a uh, repulsive to our society when you got this one song, like, which I can't even tell you what the words words mean. I'm sure you do you know it, but we can't talk about it on air. That that's really where we're going as a, as a society is we're we're looking at the lurid with with great interest, and we're being allowed to do that as opposed to take um, you know I, I think of EMTs that show up at car wrecks or policemen that show up at somebody's house at two o'clock in the morning to save them for something. We don't, we don't get that, those stories. We get these stories and we get trash for music. A lot of it is just, I think, ignoring when there's criticism. If you come out and say something against a song like that, you have a large backlash. Oh, it's because you're whatever, fill in the blank. And, And they always push back because they don't like the fact that someone would criticize that type of culture. But a lot of it is just ignoring it and saying, you know what, I'm not going to uh, play into this and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. It seems a lot of the entertainers today, the ones that have found a way to be immune from cancel culture, the ones that are saying the most common sense things, which is unfortunate. It, it seems like that's what uh, a lot of the cancel culture goes after. Um, r- real quick, if people wanted to look you up online or maybe your books, uh, what's a good place to go? Well, uh, my books are all sold on Amazon.com. Um, particularly the latest one, Spending You with Jesus. It's out there. It's doing very well, by the way. We're very happy with it. Um, and I have a website, www.brucelhartman.com. Brucelhartman.com, a good place to go yeah. look. And, you know, thank you for coming on and talking about this. We'll have to bring you back on soon. All right, Ryan. You have a pleasant evening. You too. Uh, BruceLHartman.com. You can check his books out. But that was a great conversation. I really enjoyed that. He joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line on Overnight America KMOX. All the news and all that matters to you. The voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
thought that was a great interview. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed that. But we're going to talk to Dr. Dean Finelli in a few minutes. He's a patient, regulatory, and transactional attorney, but we've had him on to talk about COVID and some of the news with it, one of which the latest updates with the vaccines. Is it possible we'll see a relaxation by the summer? What does that mean? The restrictions and where this thing could go before we hit herd immunity. We'll talk to him about that in a little bit. But I wanted to bring this up real quick because I saw there's a study out that said if you have this one eating habit, it'll increase your early death rate by 49%. I don't exactly know what that would mean as in how premature you, your death rate would be, but that's pretty high. 49%, we could say roughly 50% chance of premature death um, if, if you do this one thing. And you know what that one thing is? Eat out twice a day. The Journal of Academy of Nutrition and Diet said that eating out or ordering too much delivery might actually be killing you. And they say that the study shows that if you eat out at least two meals a day from restaurants, you have a 50% chance of dying early. I thought to myself, do people really eat out twice a day? That seems like a lot. Uh, So if it's seven-day week, you're eating out 14 times or more a week? That seems, I mean, a lot, a lot of money. You have to be really on the go all the time, nonstop. I don't know. For me, I don't know how you would be able to afford that. I enjoy eating out. I enjoy getting takeout and things. I just can't imagine doing it that frequently. And there can't be a lot of people that do it that frequently. The study didn't say what they believe to be a safe amount of times to eat out when it comes to your diet. But if anything, if you're getting your dietary decisions made by a article from a website, a news organization, you might want to look other places. I would say that's probably the worst place for you to get your dietary choices from of all places there. But that does seem like a lot, though, doesn't it? Twice a day? Wow. I saw another thing, too. Uh, Brisk walking is good for the brain. So if you're thinking of things and you're saying, I need to clear my mind, I need to go for a walk, that's like the old thing that most people would do or say. There's actually science that shows that it's so good for you for clearing your mind. It's a good thing. So they say a brisk walk improves brain health and thinking and aging people with memory impairments. So if you're just trying to find a way to uh, turn things around, if you find yourself like me, you go to the kitchen and you open up the wrong cabinet every time you're there, or this happens to me a lot too. I know that I have to do something and I think to myself, okay, uh, I'm going to reuse this spoon. I'm just going to mix something with this and I'll reuse it later. And then I find myself not reusing it. And then I have a bunch of spoons laying around thinking, oh yeah, that's right. I was going to reuse this. Um, Your memory, at least for my sake, if it's like me, you know, you're going to be in trouble in the future. So I'm going to do all these tips. They tell you it's going to help with your cognitive abilities. Start taking more walks, eating healthier, things like that. Mild cognitive impairment, things like that. A medical condition, which means a loss of uh, skills, Maybe you become more worrisome. You know, you see it when you age. Anything that could reverse that, I'm up for. Going for a walk seems like one of the easiest things you can do. I actually like that. It sounds like it's a win situation all the way. Plus, the dog will like it, too, going on more walks. We're going to take a look at your weather. And after the break, Dr. Dean Finelli. Next on Overnight America KMOX. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Cardinals 2021 season starts tomorrow as they take on the Cincinnati Reds. Here at here, Emron Pregame Show 215, first pitch 310, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back. Joining us is a patent regulatory and transactional attorney based out of D.C. He's been on the show a few times, Dr. Dean Finelli. Thank you for coming back on to KMOX. My pleasure. Good to join you. We keep hearing about the worries that we could revert back if we're not uh, careful. And we keep seeing the different warnings from the Biden administration saying that don't let up, don't let up. How much of a threat do you think we're going to revert back so bad that it'll become uh, it's going to become another major worry and another lockdown worry for the United States? I don't really think that's that's likely. I think the U.S. is in a very strong position. We're almost at about 150 million Americans that have been vaccinated. Uh, we're seeing another vaccine potentially being authorized with AstraZeneca. And, you know, I, I think a lot of this is uh, a little bit, let's look what's happening in Europe in the past. What's happened in Europe was sort of uh, a harbinger of what happened in the U.S. Uh, we're in a completely different position than Europe, so I just don't think it's the same. Nonetheless, I think we should be safe. We should be responsible. So I do understand the point, but I think the the concern and the impending doom kind of language is just uh, a little over the top. I don't foresee the U.S., uh, even with the variants, even with, uh, you know, some states loosening up their uh, mask mandates and certain and opening states, uh, opening businesses, I just don't see us getting into that situation yeah. where we have another lockdown. The variants are the things that they keep bringing up as the main worry. So we have a lot of people getting their vaccine and there's some that are just naturally uh, are able to fight off the virus, but we just don't know that number. And I, I think the way that this is moving, there's a lot of people getting vaccinated very quickly. So do you think we're going to hit herd immunity in the United States by the summer? Absolutely. Uh, originally, I had thought, you know, maybe the end of the summer, September time frame. But now I, I think it's realistic to think we could hit herd immunity by uh, sometime in early to mid-July. Great. 
that would be awesome to see that. And the way that is trending, other European countries, not as uh, optimistic because you look at, was it Paris or some of these different areas, large areas are going through more lockdowns right now. And some countries have stayed on lockdown mode. And you see this sort of thing because they talk about the variants and that's what they're using. They're pointing to and say, this could be us again. And that threat's always there. I, you know, I wonder with these different variants and, and what they're worrying about, do you believe that the vaccine we're getting right now will at least cover us for a year? And then by this time next year, we're going to have to get another shot to cover us from any other variants. It could be. And I think to put that in context, you know, when you look at Europe, uh, France is locking, locking down again, Germany's locked down, Italy's locked down. And it is due to variants. The, the UK variant is spreading there. But I think the big difference between the U S and Europe is, most of the, we have four vaccines authorized. Uh, Europe just, although they've authorized the vaccines, they just weren't as uh, they didn't they didn't look at it from a, a point of let's obtain options to get these these vaccines so that we could be the first country to purchase this. And through Operation Warp Speed, that's what the U.S. did. So most of the vaccine that's available is coming to the U.S. So I don't foresee a situation where. Uh, and, and another po- important point is it looks like all of these vaccines are effective against the variants. Mm-hmm. So that's another important point. Uh, but it could certainly be a situation where uh, next year we do have to get a booster shot. It's a little too early to say if that's the case yet, uh, but it's not. That, that is a possibility. Did I see numbers today from Pfizer with some of their studies? Because they keep going younger and younger to see how this vaccine reacts to children. And I think the effectiveness was 100% with the testing, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. They tested down to 12-year-olds and, uh, yeah, 100% effective in them. Uh, And that's certainly good news. It looks like uh, vaccines will be available this fall for uh, that age group as well. What do you think about the debate of masks after the vaccine? So you've seen a couple of times where Dr. Fauci has been questioned about this. The whole idea is that getting the vaccine helps your immunity against this. Thus, you might you shouldn't have to wear a vaccine for the end of time because they're even recommending we continue to wear it past herd immunity, you know, for really the end of the year. And some people even recommend till next year. So what's your thought about getting the vaccine, being personally getting two doses of the vaccine and still be uh, still having to wear the mask? Yeah, probably, uh, again, an overreaction. I mean, the reason we that was originally the the thought was when these trials were run back by a summer, uh, they tested to see whether the vaccines were good against the symptoms. So and and they were very good. So those numbers, 95 percent for Pfizer and Moderna, uh, that means preventing the asymptomatic or, or preventing any symptoms as a result of getting the virus. Now, Time, because we were rushing to get these authorized, uh, and by rushing, I don't mean in any way jeopardizing safety or effectiveness. They went through their trials, but we just didn't have time to see if they actually also prevented infection and thereby prevented transmission. Now it looks like studies that are coming out are showing that not only do the vaccines prevent against the symptoms, but they also do prevent against infection and transmission. So uh, it very well could be Uh, And probably scientifically, you're pretty safe from, A, getting the symptoms of the virus once you're vaccinated and also passing it on to others. So the science is starting to trend in that direction. And I would not be surprised uh, in the next couple of months, probably over the summer, where we hear, you know, masks 
tests may not be as effective or may not be as necessary. Uh, but again, you know, the CDC is looking at this as a, a public health issue. So, you know, there are vulnerable groups. So potentially uh, that may may stretch out. But just from where the science is going, it looks like the vaccines will prevent against transmission. So as an attorney in D.C., Dr. Dean Finelli also has a podcast, Politics and Life Sciences Radio. And I got to ask about the vaccine passport because it is raising alarms with a lot of people feel like their liberties could be uh, violated in something like this. So looking at having to prove that you've been vaccinated with some sort of vaccine passport that's run through the government, tracked and listed through the government. What are your thoughts on those? I am completely against it. I, I just don't think it's necessary. I mean, that's the whole point of hitting herd immunity. Uh, you know, once we hit herd immunity in the summer, it shouldn't be necessary to have to prove that you're vaccinated. You know, there's obviously privacy concerns as well. You know, there's groups of people that can't get vaccinated for health reasons. Uh, you know, are we going to exclude them? So I think just for a variety of reasons, I think I understand, you know, where they're coming from, but I think it's it's way way too much government overreach and i just completely am against it yeah anytime you talk about how this could be used against you it does concern me a lot too and i also think about your medical history and how that should be private and think about how that could be abused by insurance companies or anything else uh to be used against you in the future so you got to be very careful when it comes to private information like that the astrazeneca thing is also interesting because there's certain places that don't welcome it some countries aren't satisfied with it. Other countries are. We even saw, I think the Johnson and Johnson vaccine in Detroit was told to stay out for different reasons. So are are we finding that most people are picking and choosing the vaccines they want? Or do you think that at this point, whatever's offered to you should be fine? Uh, From a science perspective, whatever's offered to you, you should take because they're all very effective. They'll all save lives. I think may have been this week where it was shown Johnson and Johnson prevents transmission as well. So even though I think we got a little too hung up on these numbers, 95%, 85%, you know, if we put it in context of the flu vaccine, that's about 40 to 60% effective and it saves uh, many lives and it's very effective in, you know, reducing the symptoms. So I think we're getting a little too hung up on these numbers. They're all very, very effective and all very safe. So what are you watching now? Is it just the point of the numbers of how many people are getting vaccinated or is there anything else that we should be paying attention to? Well, I think we should also look to, you know, when we hear the CDC announcements, I think it's important to look at the the, the death toll and the hospitalizations to get a true picture of this. And, you know, it doesn't mean look at it in a certain area because certain areas may have hot spots. It means look at it across the United States. And I think if we do that, you know, we'll see we're certainly trending in the right direction. And as you mentioned, looking at the vaccine distribution, we're up to almost three million uh, administrations of the vaccine per day which is truly amazing. So I think a lot of things are trending in the right direction. And when we hear this kind of negative news, uh, sometimes uh, I just think uh, I've also read an article where they're, they're tending whenever the news is positive, there's looking at just trying to find negative news. So Uh I think we have to recognize, you know, as a country, we're moving in a very, very good position. And I think by, like I said, by July, I think we'll, we'll reach herd immunity. 
I think a lot of people have been paying attention to New York and Governor Andrew Cuomo, certainly in trouble when it comes to manipulating these nursing home numbers, uh, what decisions were made, how he allocated the testing early on, you know, if there was preferential treatment to people like his family members uh, that lived outside the house, you know. So there's a lot of criticism to the way New York handled this. Do you think we are going to have to go back and really dive deep into some of these numbers to revise some of these numbers and uh, is that really going to be necessary for us in order to fully understand the impact of this virus i think it will be i mean certainly new york was originally a hot spot and you know the way it was handled as you mentioned you know in retrospect when we're looking at it and you compare that for example to the way florida handled things and you know i think it's really important to look back at this how each jurisdiction how each state handled this some states never had mask mandates. Uh, so, you know, New York, obviously, it's a very population-dense area, so it's a little unique in that regard. But I think, you know, th- this is not going to be the last, uh, hopefully the last pandemic, but not but certainly the last situation uh, where we have, uh, you know, have to monitor health. You know, we have the flu every year. And, um, you know, just looking at this, uh, if we look back to H1N1, swine flu over the last 10, 20 years, you know, these situations do arise. And I think, you know, on this, we were a little on our heels. So I think it would be important to to look at this and look how states handled it to make sure, uh, you know, in a worst case scenario, we do this better, or at least we learn from it. Yeah, not so much on the state mandate with the masks in Missouri, but there was individual areas like here in St. Louis. We have the city of St. Louis and then St. Louis County, which is kind of surrounds the city. And each of them had different ways they were handling it. But at the same time, they were being guided by the same metropolitan task force. So they were getting the same intel, but then they decided to restrict in different ways. And we're still seeing certain restrictions in a lot of different areas. Restaurants seem to still be hit pretty hard, occupancy rates, things like that. When do you think some of those restrictions will be safe to start lifting so all those businesses could get back to normal? I think very soon. I think you're starting to see that trend already. You know, we heard Governor Abbott in Texas uh, pretty much remove all uh, mask mandates and rules. And I think uh, that's going to be the trend. And I think we're on target to do that. You know, that's the whole reason we're vaccinating. We're up to almost 150 million people that have been vaccinated at least once. That will provide some level of protection. Uh, and we're moving, we're trending in the right direction. So I think, you know, within the next month, I, I think we're going to see a lot of these uh, mask mandates and business closures uh, really be removed and businesses start to open up. I think one of the next things we're really going to have to tackle is the weight of people, because we find one of the things that really complicate COVID people being overweight is a huge factor and sitting at home for the past year, doing things, not helping. That's the thing I fear about in the future. We're not going to be healthy enough to survive another pandemic or another virus that comes through where we're conditioning our bodies that we can just get a shot and it'll be done with. But we got to really start paying close attention to our health. Maybe that could be one of the big things we learned from this. I couldn't agree more, and I think that's that's a, a point that I've raised several times. Uh, we were really, you know, we have to be more prophylactic, have to be more preventative and live healthy lifestyles because, uh, as you said, a lot of the, uh, the most uh, uh, high-risk people were uh, lifestyle conditions, uh, you know, that certainly uh, people over 65 were higher risk, but also people over 65 with comorbidities associated with lifestyle. So I think you're absolutely right. Living uh, a healthier life and looking back on this and seeing how we can 
tend to treat health and treat uh, uh, disease more in a prophylactic manner is definitely a, a way to go. Well, I know you're making a lot of different appearances and things. If people wanted to find you or some of the things you're doing online, where can they look? I'm an attorney in Washington at Cooley LLP. I'm happy to answer any questions. Great. Cooley LLP, Dr. Dean Finelli. Thank you for coming back on to Overnight America. My pleasure. Thank you. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. I love his interviews. He is so straightforward. And here's here's the reality of things. And it's so refreshing and awesome to hear that because the headlines, if you just look at social media headlines, ugh, you know where those lead you. So thank you. I'm so glad he was able to come back on. This is Overnight America KMOX. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Hey, and welcome back. I wanted to just do this quick story because we only have a few minutes here. And then we have all of next hour open. It is wide open. In fact, this will be my last show of the week because I'll be filling in on our sister station Friday which means I'll have tomorrow night off. So Brad Young will be filling in, and I'm sure you will enjoy that. I saw this over on Fox 2 the other day. 600 people face evictions after the St. Louis County lifts the moratorium for the evictions. That number of 600, I, it's weird to see the number because for a while we just didn't know how many people would be affected by this. But when you have a population, and if you're thinking about St. Louis City and County and St. Charles and all of this, if you look at the larger area that would be considered this area, if you, two million people, roughly a little over two million, I think 2.2, 2.3, whatever the number is, to say 600 are affected by this, to me feels like a victory in a way because maybe that only counts for renters, maybe that doesn't count people that own homes, have mortgages and they're behind or whatever it is, but a lot of those cases, some of them we've seen outlined already in the news have nothing to do with their inability to pay. It's, you know, they're selling drugs or they've trashed the place or they've got people living there that shouldn't be there. They broke the lease in other ways other than the payment side of things. This is, um, I think Fox two story. They actually talked to the St. Louis County circuit judge, Michael Burton, uh, about the eviction moratorium. Here's presiding judge, Michael Burton, who put the moratorium in place a year ago and who's now made the decision to end it. So there are 600 evictions pending, right? Correct. And how many of those now will uh, people be allowed to, will the sheriff be allowed to go execute the eviction notices on? As of April the 5th, all of those, the sheriff would give notice to the residents. They, they would be told you have five days, I believe is the, the way that um, the uh, the statute would provide uh, in, in which you need to uh, you know leave. I think it's a mistake. I talked to Sarah. Yeah, and I look at the things that landlords are going through, and they haven't been able to collect. A lot of them are way behind. I don't know if they'll ever be able to collect. And they're looking at this and thinking, do I just have to write this off as a loss? And it's not fair to them. It's not fair to anyone. And sometimes these cases, it's obvious they should be out of the property but they're taking advantage of the pandemic for it. So I totally understand that sort of thing. It's tough though. And I think there's a lot of rental assistance and things that are out there to help people that are in these legit instances, but I don't know what happens. Do you go to this group and you say, you know, I'm selling drugs out of here, but I don't want to leave. What, do you, what are they going to do then? How can they find these things out? I don't know. All right, another hour of Overnight America is coming. I hope to hear from you next on KMOX.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 